Now this is a totally different approach because we are putting them out of the comfort zone. And when we do that, we see that everybody starts making mistakes. And the first mistake is that how you actually run your whole team, how you, you know, communicate with each other. The main problems come with the lack of communication, the lack of the structure. Welcome to the Digital Government Podcast. Tune in to discover the future of governance and ways of getting there. October is the Cybersecurity Month and thereby our today's podcast is focusing on the subject of cybersecurity. Hello to everybody listening to us. My name is Merla Maigre. I am the Head of Cybersecurity Direction at the Governance Academy and it is extreme pleasure of mine to welcome in the in the podcast Are Reintam, Chief Operating Officer of Cybersur Technologies an Estonian company that is a partner and has been a partner of several training and uh, projects of the Governance Academy, mostly focusing on cybersecurity trainings. Hello, Ara. Hi, Merle. It's a pleasure to be here. Very nice. Well, starting off with the subject of cybersecurity, Ara, perhaps from your experience, you can tell us why do we need cybersecurity trainings and what is the level of the cybersecurity skill set of the various training audience that you come across? It's a fascinating question uh, from that angle. And uh, the first answer to that is that the level of the experience is very, very different across the different areas, for example, from military, from private sector and in governments level. And even in the government, when we are looking at different agencies, then their skill level is also different. And, and from that angle, you can't hit everybody with the, with the same approach, but you rather need to understand what is the overall capacity and capability in different environments and then build up a good training on, based, based on that. Aura, together with Cybexer Technologies, the eGardens Academy has been training people both in the civilian sector and the military sector in uh, Albania, in uh, Montenegro. There will be trainings uh, and have been trainings in Moldova um, as well as Ukraine. Can you perhaps uh, tell us from that diverse training audience, is there a difference between the civil and military training training audiences that you have come across? Yes, this is uh, true that there is a difference between uh, two different sides. And especially from the military side, you can see this kind of highly organized uh, team structure and hierarchy. And uh, this is, let's say, the main benefit of, uh, of uh, training the militaries. It's easier because their organizational structure is way different. On the civilian side, they might be more innovative and um, and find some uh, different tools and and use more help of uh, let's say internet provided resources because they have more access to them. But uh, but the organization structure uh, benefit is definitely coming from uh, from from the military side. But now, if you could put these kind of two benefits together, yeah, the structure that comes from the military and the skill sets and ability to look and uh, get help from uh, from internet and also from public sources, then uh, this is a massive gain. 
a lot of the trainings that you have been undertaking from Cyboxer have been cyber range based trainings. Could you perhaps tell us a little bit about that and, and perhaps explain first what is a cyber range? Again, a very good question. So um, what is a cyber range? It is a simulated environment uh, that can build up digital twins. But uh, what is the main benefit from that is that it is a controlled environment where we can play out real life defensive and offensive scenarios. So what it means is that we can build up a digital twin of a military based digital twin of a power grid. And then what we can do is we can launch different attacks against this uh, systems and we can use real system, real organizational structure and real tools to actually detect, monitor, defend and react against these kind of activities. And also vice versa from the attacking side is that you are able to understand how your systems are, you know, defended and how you're able to bypass the security measures that you have implemented. Both the organizer's side and from the user's side or the, the benefit side, could you perhaps explain what more is there um, in a cyber range based exercise or training vis-a-vis -vis a, a more traditional classroom training? Yes. So the main uh, difference is that you have full hands-on approach. So what we are doing is that we are building up a full digital clone of uh, all the systems that uh, you see in a regular agency, industry, company, whatsoever. And now when we are launching this kind of attack and defensive scenarios, then what you really need to do is you really need to understand what is going on in your systems. And this is the main difference in classroom uh, trainings is that we are doing a collaborative training. What it means is that you will take your people, put them into dedicated roles as they are um, uh, in real operational environment and now you have to play through a doomsday scenario against what is happening, who is attacking, what tools they are using, how you have to configure your systems while you're under um, an, an attack and now this is a totally different approach because we are putting them out of the comfort zone and when we do that we see that everybody starts making mistakes and the first mistake is that how you actually run your whole team, how you, you know, communicate with each other. The main problems come with the lack of communication, the lack of the structure, because if somebody makes, uh, let's say, configuration changes and they don't tell to somebody else, then uh, somebody might think that this is an attack against us, not a configuration change by our own team member. And that can mess up uh, the internal, let's say, um, uh, viewpoints. And this we have seen in so many times that sometimes we don't even need the red team, but rather the blue teams on their own mess up um, so many things. So blue teams are the defensive teams and they mess up their own, let's say, activities. And that is the main difference. Collaborative training with real tools, real attacks, real environments. And this is completely new era of, um, of, of trainings. So, in a way, the cyber range-based trainings replicate the confusion and the fog of the real life with all the uh, all the uh, different dimensions uh, compared to the more linear experience in the classroom. Could one say that? Yes, true. In the classroom trainings, what we do, we usually prepare the people for these kind of uh, doomsday scenarios. 
So in the classroom trainings, we actually teach and train them in the live fire or cyber range exercises. We already benchmark them and see how good they are and how well they perform under very intense uh, situations. You mentioned blue teams and you mentioned red teams. Can you uh, perhaps expand? Because in addition to these two colors, um, we have seen white teams also uh, at times and sometimes there are also green teams. Uh, can you perhaps uh, explain the color code and uh, explain the roles behind each color code and the importance of, of these roles uh, to our listeners? So um, these kind of color codes are coming from the military side. And the military is conducting their exercise in a way that the blue teams are the defensive uh, side, who is the training audience usually. Uh, the red team is attacking side, who is attacking uh, the blue teams and providing them the experience of, um, of doing something and initiating them incident response activities. And then, you know, if they are the two main characters in the exercise, then we have additional workload. Uh, from the green team side and the green team, what they are doing is they are building up the cyber range environment and building up the simulations and digital twin environments inside the cyber range uh, uh, system. And also then the organizing team and the ones who are setting up the training objectives, setting up the training objectives. For example, why were you doing this exercise? For example, what the e-governance agency did in uh, academy did in uh, in Albania, it was a community building event uh, from three different countries. And the training objectives was to actually understand how to act under the cyber attacks of uh, you know, critical infrastructure. And now if we are setting these kind of environments up and training and exercise objectives, then the white team is able to monitor and provide initial feedback to the teams is that, did we achieve the exercise objectives? Did we achieve the training objectives? how good the teams are in setting up the team environment, how good they are defending web applications, how good they are uh, defending the network and Windows applications, how good they are in defending critical infrastructure uh, pieces. So this is the uh, roles of different teams and every single team makes this exercise successful or not. So everybody has their own dedicated role. Very nice. And what kinds of roles from this color code does Cybexer provide? Am I correct in, um, well, actually from experience, seeing that you often come in uh, with your highly skilled green team and you provide the red team, uh, whereas the experts or the training audience that gets trained is usually the blue team. Yeah, no, it, again, it depends from uh, point to point, but yes, what we are bringing on the table is that firstly, we are bringing our own cyber range platform. And this is the platform that we have developed on our own and what we are using it for to conduct this kind of um, simulations. And now when we are coming, for example, as we do with, uh, with um, EGA, is that we come there with our cyber range platform and we bring our green team who will prepare different scenarios according to the requirements what the e-governance academy is providing us. We are providing our red team who is building up an attack campaign. And now taking into account that how we are building out the attack campaign is that we are building it up against the real cyber operations that have been conducted. How the cyber operations are conducted is that we need a reconnaissance team. We have three different sub teams. 
network web and client side who are all attacking in a, in a different uh, systems in the in the network and the, and the final one is that we are also then providing uh, the organizational team also to support the guy in uh, in the evaluation process very nice evaluation is definitely important but i before getting to the evaluation and the scoring part I wanted to ask about the red team. A question that we often get is that how do you guarantee or how do you know what kind of attack scenario to follow? How does your red team keep up with the latest sort of uh, attack uh, attack patterns? Uh, can you spill the beans? This is also a very, very valid question. And uh, since everything is changing so rapidly, it's always hard to pinpoint all the activities. But what we have done is we have taken the international standards as a baseline. So first of all, we are always launching our attack campaign against dedicated frameworks and uh, the world leading framework in the offensive um, or attacking side is uh, Mitra. And now when we have the Mitra framework, and then we will take the threat intelligence from different CBE bases. So uh, these are the vulnerabilities and exploits uh, databases. And if we are putting the Mitra attack framework with the CVEs and exploits together, and launch this against a dedicated environment, for example, power grid uh, uh, systems, then it makes absolutely sense to train people against these kind of attack flows. And this is as, as realistic as possible and as up to date against all the uh, threat actors and vectors as uh, it can be. Thank you. That's very clear how your red team keeps keeps themselves up, updated and the importance of it. Moving on to another aspect that sometimes uh, gets questioned, uh, perhaps you could explain, is um, you, you very often in our trainings, there are several blue teams and they compete uh, against each other. How important would you say is this competition and playing a devil's advocate could one, one could say that by competing, you create bad blood in a way. Uh, what is your experience uh, and approach to this aspect? The fact that you, that you have the blue teams competing with each other and you have you give them scores. Uh, tell us about that a little bit. It is a friendly competition uh, between the blue teams. And why we do that is that <clears throat> since we are building up identical virtual environments to all blue teams that is exactly the same for all blue teams. The attacks are all the same against all the blue teams. And now what we are doing is that we are measuring every single movement of the defensive teams against the same attacks. If we are able to provide them an honest and instant feedback about all the categories, how they are you know, defending their web applications, Windows systems, uh, firewalls, um, routers, and we are pushing this immediately back to them. And we see that, let's say, Blue Team 1 is doing better than Blue Team 6, then it is just a good initial feedback to the Blue Team you know, 6 that see this, the Blue Team 1 is making these kind of changes, they are using these kind of tools, these kind of methods, and if you would do the same, then you would be the, as good as they are. And the reasoning behind there is not to find the winner and you know humiliate the, the last one, but rather is to give them the benchmark and understanding how they are compared with others. And if we are able to you know pull this 
data set together and provide them recommendations, how you could change and uh, modify your actions, then you can be also better. And I want to bring also <clears throat> up here one very important aspect is that in these kind of exercises, the blue teams are using different methodologies and tools and ways. And how we are now able to measure them and benchmark them is that when we know that what is the initial baseline of different blue teams, who has done good, who has done you know, not that good. And now if they change their methodology, team structure, different tools, we are then able to say, say and give them feedback. Then compared to this kind of solution, what blue team X or one or two did, and your system actually improved your capability or, you know, did not improve. And this is the main point of giving them the scores and the initial and, uh, and quick feedback in different categories. Indeed. So in a way, it's not so much about the competition, but rather comparing, being able to measure and uh, actually using different teams working along the same goals simultaneously having them push each other and learn from each other from the single similar comparison scores so that makes the scoring very important could you tell a little bit about that um the the scoring and what I personally have really enjoyed throughout various joint activities is the visualization of the scoring so that the teams themselves, but also the higher level spectators and observers who step into the control room can see how everybody is doing. Um, what kind of aspects do you score and, and how do you go about visualizing this? Yes, it is vital to have firstly understandable scoring module that what we are scoring in these kind of exercises what are the categories and we our main aim is that everybody who goes through these kind of exercises they have to have a, a learning experience what we have seen over the years and uh, from different uh, fields where we are working is that not all teams in even one country or in one organization have the same capability and capacity to detect, monitor and react to these kind of cyber incidents. So what we have done is that we agree a dedicated scoring categories. So most, mostly it is that when we do these kind of simulations, then you have to keep up your systems while you're under attack. And why we are asking that is that since it's a controlled environment, then this is the only place where you can see how the red team is attacking your crown tools, what tools they are using and how they achieve their objectives. So that means that you have to keep up your systems uh, while you're under attack. If you shut them down then red team is not able to attack them, you will not gain the experience that you should in a controlled environment. So availability of systems. The other scoring points is that from keeping up your systems, then how quickly you're able to detect and also write dedicated reports on, on these kind of uh, attacks. So detection and also the first initial uh, uh, reports. And then we are also uh, giving positive scores for sending out situation reports. It's once or twice per day where they have to, the tactical teams or the teams behind the computers have to write situation reports to higher management. 
to state who are attacking us, what, is the, what are the systems under attack, what is the impact to operations, uh, what are the lacks in the team, what kind of uh, uh, tools we are missing, and do we have full support from the management and so forth. So this is also a very important category. And then now bringing back to this uh, motion that we have to give everybody a learning task, then what we have done differently is that, for example, if a red team is attacking a you know, Windows machine and they have able to get foothold or access to this Windows machine by sending out a malicious social engineering email, somebody has clicked on it and then red team gets access to this machine. And now if that happens, then what we are doing is that we are giving a blue team a dedicated task. Please go into this machine and investigate that. And if they are doing it properly and well, then they are getting positive score from that as well. And how we balance it from the negative side is that uh, we have some tricks and, um, and nice uh, ways is that if a red team attack is successful and your mitigation measures are not good enough, you will reduce the points. And again, what we have seen is that sometimes the uh, blue teams or defenders start to shut down the machines and revert it from the snapshot. You can do it once or twice per day, but can you imagine a situation where all the time the machines and the systems in your environment has been set to revert, shut down and boost up again. So this is not possible in a working environment. And then from that angle, we also reduce a little bit of points. So what we do is we create a realistic environment and score every single movement of the blue teams to actually give them feedback and say where they can get better. And again, from tactical teams or the technical hands-on ones, is that we see that the teams are good in technical manners, but what they are lacking is how to write actually and provide this information to the higher commands that how they can make decisions with incomplete information and understanding what they have to do, how quickly they have to do, and, um, and also who they need to collaborate with to actually go come over to this uh, normal situation. Thank you, Ara. This has been very thorough and I can uh, only echo on my own experience the importance of assessing and training about reporting to this higher level management that because that very often indeed is a weak point but don't you agree that it's been very often a pleasure to see different blue teams uh, learn throughout the very drill or the exercise in the course of the day or two days and whereas the first reports are often sometimes floppy, the by the end of the drill teams get better because they get instant feedback and thereby they 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 learn incredibly a lot, lot and they and they improve uh, visibly throughout the exercise true and um, i will bring you one uh, my personal experience i was working in estonian information system authority and when estonia country is under cyber attacks then there is a dedicated department who is writing situation reports to our intelligence services our foreign ministry our uh, prime minister and i was the person who wrote the situation reports uh, to the higher management um, at dedicated point of my life and i also saw from the feedback from different agencies that uh, the first situation reports that i sent were not that maybe good but the more feedback i got the better you know the situation reports um, uh, became and the same approach we are taking here as well and now i'm coming back to this topic that the, this is a collaboration uh, collaborative training 
And what it means is that, firstly, you need to understand what information to collect from whom. That means that it is a team exercise. You need to understand every single aspect and get an overall overview about the situation. Every detail, but you have to generalize it in a dedicated level. And now when you write it, then you have to understand to whom you're writing it and why are you writing it? Because somebody needs to make decisions. And over this course of the trainings, we also give them always feedback that what is missing in these kind of reports, what you need to collect more, what kind of impact you need to bring more out. And it gives the tactical team also an understanding why they have to uh, write the uh, situation reports. And I'm bringing you one another example. On a tactical or technical level, the incident can be over very quickly. So there was an attack, you fixed it, you patched it, and you put a new clean version up and running and everything is crystal clear. But during this attack, <clears throat> what the attackers did was they stole some kind of database. Now, two weeks, six months after that, it will be leaked in, uh, in a dark web. And this incident comes back uh, to the management uh, table um, with a huge delay. And now when you don't have a clear understanding what happened on a tactical level, then people don't have information to provide to the public and to the stakeholders. So this is the important part is that why you need to write these kind of things down, because it will save your own sake in, in the future. Well, Ara Reintem, thank you very much for walking us through the importance of cyber range based trainings, drills, the different roles and the impact of that they are making and the impact that you are making together with, with us uh, through these various trainings. I'm thrilled to have been discussing this with you. I can only conclude that cyber range based trainings are there to stay and expand. And thank you for listening us, dear listeners, and tune in to the next episode. This podcast is brought to you by the eGovernance Academy. Tune in next time.